Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. continue our walk through the book of Acts here in this Pentecost season. And on our journey, we've slowed in St. Luke's account of Stephen's riffing through the Old Testament in a Cliff's Notes-like indictment of the Jewish leaders who in hatefulness and anger are ready to kill him. We've slowed down because we're working to grow in our understanding of our place, our place in God's big, redemptive, ongoing story. Reminding ourselves that their story is our story. Our story is their story. And we need to learn from what happened. As we're nearing the climactic end of Acts chapter 7, we hear God calling the Jewish leaders to repentance through Stephen, but they won't receive it. In the name of Jesus, and by the power of His Spirit, at work in his people. May our story read differently. Let's pray and then look at it together. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the thoughts and the meditations of each one of our hearts will be pleasing to you, King Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Come now, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and make our hearts courageous at rest in the good news and awakened to how to steward it. We pray through Christ. Amen. So in the rest of his indictment of the leaders, Stephen is crescendoing to finally reveal something he's been teeing up all along. The nature of the Jewish leaders' idolatrous hearts that resulted in the murder of their Messiah. A thing from which they must repent. If you were to go back and read it, and I encourage you to do that at home, you would look at verses 33 to 38, and you would hear Stephen's continuation of his good account of Moses, trying to connect deeper and deeper with their hearts and minds so they would understand where he's coming from. Then in verses 39 to 40, he remembers something painful from the past with them. How even though God had kept his promises to them, the promises that were the bedrock of their faith... How God had always been with them, even in the midst of their struggles. And how God had, against all odds, 
raised up a deliverer to redeem them. All of these things pointing forward to the deliverer they just murdered. In spite of all that, their father's hearts, it says, turned back to the ways of Egypt. And then they made something with their own hands and they worshipped it. See Exodus 32. If you have curiosity about exactly what that was, it was the golden calf episode. And I'm looking around and it's back there on a table with, I think, a baby seat sitting on it, which is perfect. Imagine building something with, not the golden calf, what I'm about to talk about. Imagine building something with your own two hands. Everybody freaked out. Whoa, we're out. I don't care if it's raining. Imagine building something with your own two hands, anything, okay? reason I was pointing back there is I like to work with wood, and over 10 years ago, I built that big, heavy chessboard that sits on top of the table. Now, what would you think of me if I began to worship that thing? (laughs) Diane said I would be crazy. What if I put it in a sacred place, prayed to it, and offered sacrifices to it? How sad would it make you if I seriously decided to worship something that I created with my own two hands? How silly Ridiculous. Does that sound? Here's another question. What more subtle things are we creating with our own two hands and then looking for the favor that comes from those creations? What sacrifices of time, effort, and money are we spending on kingdoms and ideas other than the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, as we've talked about time and again in our preaching team, and Jesse mentioned last week in Vespers, it took God around a year through the plagues to get the Israelites, to get his people out of Egypt. He is still working to get Egypt out of us because we're idolatrous. It's right and it's good for us to work, create, and provide. But as St. Paul admonishes, we must do these things as unto the Lord. They must not become our Lord. Keeping this right order is something we must teach our children. It's good stewardship and embracing it leads to us to continue to work, create, and provide, acknowledging that as we just prayed, all of who we are, all of what we have, all things belong to God and are never to be in his place in our heads, hearts, hands. That's idolatry as much as if I worshipped that piece of wood. I want to repeat that. 
to be so devoted to our ability to create and solve and do and to give so much to it and for our hearts to somehow drift to focusing there or to focus to being healthy or beautiful or liked or a myriad of things. Anything but God is to behave idolatrously and adulterously. And Jesus was absolutely as gracious and saving and loving as he was. He would say this to crowds of people all the time. Why? Because it was killing them and he came to save us from that so that we might follow him. The biblical argument against idolatry is clear and it is uncompromising. Worship God, not anything created. Amen? Amen. And he is the only one not created. So worship the one uncreated being. Nothing else. And let the way you spend your time, your effort, and your money be your witness. Stephen's recalling how God's people had failed at this again and again. So this is not a new problem. And as a result, in verses 42 and 43, he says that God gave them over to this madness, letting them pursue their idolatry, even sending them into exile to provoke them to repentance. We read some things like that about God sometimes and we feel like that was harsh, God. No, it wasn't. Not if in a thousand years there would be genocide unnumbered beyond what we've witnessed already. He was trying to compel his people to return to who he created them to be. And if they wouldn't bend, if their necks were stiff and their wills were iron. God said, I have got to put you in a place that is the fleshing out of what you're doing. Let my spirit meet you there and call you back. In verses 44 to 50, Stephen then begins to seal his fate as he looks at this, as he begins to point to how the Jewish leaders regard for the temple, the sacred place was yet another manifestation of their idolatrous hearts. He recalls how heaven is God's throne and earth is his footstool and how he isn't confined to places or stuff we make with our hands. That cross, (laughs) any cross, if it had been over there, it would have still been that cross. But that cross, this altar... God's Word, the Eucharist, these are not things that we worship. Amen? Amen. We do not worship these things. We worship God alone. These things are meant to point us to Jesus, teach us of Jesus, nourish us from Jesus. They're meant to bring people from every tribe, tongue, and nation together in the name of Jesus. 
not segregate and push people away, which is how the temple was being used by the Jews. And sadly, all too often, how points of distinction, denominational differences, and other things are being used by the church today. We still got this problem, and Jesus wants us free from it. Amen? He does. Then Stephen said what Ann read earlier. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by God's messengers, the angels, and did not keep it. And that was it. He put his finger on the condition of their hearts He spoke the truth that should have been received as a kindness of God, calling them to repentance. And instead of receiving it and repenting, they're going to kill him. The devotion to the kingdom they were building and the ideals behind it was absolute and they were not going to let go now I'm not going to go further into the actual details of what happened until next week because there's some things we need to slow down and look at there as well but I would like to consider how this story can be helpful to us really be good news for us okay How easy is it for our hearts? Think about this. How easy is it for your heart to turn back to however you lived, however we lived, as slaves in our proverbial Egypt? How easy is it for us to excuse ourselves to still be snared to ways and life and thoughts that have nothing to do with God's kingdom now? What idols from the past are we still carrying around with us today? Now, maybe you don't carry a chessboard around and worship it, but you may have many subtle things in your heart and mind. I would dare say you do. Considering that, how will we respond? This is important. How will we respond when God kindly sends someone to put their finger on our heart, point to our idolatry, and courageously, lovingly call us to repentance? How are we going to respond? Will we be grateful? And repentant, like what happened when Peter spoke about things, and it says they were cut to the heart in Acts 2. 
or when he was preaching again in Acts 3, and thousands of people turned and repented. They let go. Changed mind, metanoia, turned, shuv, to follow Jesus. Will we be grateful and repent, or will we be openly stiff-necked or quietly resistant and disobedient to the Holy Spirit? These are good questions. These are real questions asking us, what are you prepared to do? Because God has proven what he was prepared to do. He was prepared to do everything to get to us and ask these questions so that we might receive the mercy and grace and repent. There is only one response we need to have when God kindly calls us to repentance from our idolatry or any other sin. And that's this. Hear clearly, please. It's to humble ourselves. Just calm down. Remember who you are and whose you are. Humble ourselves. Receive his kindness. Because it is kindness. It is not shame. He's not insecure. He doesn't need to come shame us. That's another voice. That is someone else. That is not God. He comes with kindness of conviction to lead us to repentance. So we humble ourselves, receive this kindness, and then we do one thing. We turn to follow Jesus. Nothing else. We don't follow Jesus added to what we were doing. We turn to follow Christ. And he will teach us what that looks like and what it means. So in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, and by the power of his spirit at work in his people, here's something else. That's the same power that raised him from the dead. The power of God in Christ. May our story Read differently than the Jewish leaders did that day who because they wouldn't receive God's convicting kindness that was meant to lead them to repent turned to hating their brother to the point of killing him. There have been 29 deaths in our country anchored in this kind of hatred whether it was religious or not, that kind of hatred that leads to that kind of destruction. And when one of the gunmen was shooting, someone said, why are you doing this? And you know what he yelled back? Because I'm angry. You let anger burn long enough, it will consume you and become a thing consuming everything and everyone around you. I am telling you, I am a person raised in rage. And it is only by the grace of God that that is not who I am. And it still comes at me and comes after me. But when it comes, we must humble ourselves. We must confess and repent and turn and follow Christ. And if we fumble, we must be quick to turn back. I don't know what idolatry you might be blind to fighting or hiding but I humbly and boldly pray that we'll together 
grow to worship God by loving and serving one another so earnestly that whatever comes from us compelling the kindness of God's conviction to come to us whenever his conviction comes I pray that we'll grow to worship him by loving and serving one another so much that we'll humble ourselves receive his kindness fall to our knees all of us and fight for one another to turn and follow our King. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.